Episode 41 The patient with intramenstrual bleedings and irregular menses are consistent with abnormal uterine bleeding which is commonly due to the uncontrolled endometrial proliferations from unregulated excess estrogens in association with an increased risk of endometrial hyperplasia and cancer. Women with age less than 45 with abnormal uterine bleeding such as in this patient, the absolute endometrial hyperplasia risk is very low. Therefore, they can be started on combination of the oral contraceptive pills and progesterone uh yeah oral combined or oral progesterone contraceptive pills okay medical management without evaluations of the endometrium the estrogen component regulates the menstrual cycles and builds up the endometrium and progesterone component sheds the endometrium however with the patients with this one who have uh, continued irregular menstrual bleedings while on the oral combined contraceptive pills failed medical management further requires evaluations okay so he was on combined medical combined or contraceptive pills and he was using all the medical management but that absolutely failed okay so he required for uh, so she required further evaluation okay so in such patients the endometrial lining is uh, likely to be thick for progestin to completely shed the endometrium during demenstruations as a result the unshed endometrium continues to under undergo dysregulation proliferation which result in increased risk of endometrial hyperplasia and cancer okay therefore the patient aged less than 45 with abnormal uterine bleeding who have failed the medical management require endometrial biopsy okay so you have to remember that also okay other indications for the endometrial biopsy is less than 45 years including the persistent more than equal to six months of the abnormal uterine bleeding obesity and tamoxifen therapy all of which are important uh, uh, component for increasing the estrogen exposure so that's why okay Coagulation studies can be performed in the patients with heavy menstrual bleeding and anemia to evaluate the bleeding disorders, one very bit in disease. This patient has normal hemoglobin, so we don't have to do any coagulation studies here. Next is a patient with heavy regular ovulatory bleeding can treated can be treated with endometrial ablations, a procedure that destroys the endometrium. Undiagnosed abnormal uterine bleeding is contraindications to the endometrial ablations because uh, abnormal uterine uh, yeah because it can prevent evaluations of endometrium in patients with possible endometrial hyperplasia or cancer okay so we don't have to simply destroy or ablate the endometrium okay but if we know that this endometrial bleeding is because of any ovulatory pathology that time we can ablate the endometrium Histosalpingography is used for evaluation of the abnormalities of the uterus, diadelphus or fallopian tube disorder, scarrings or something. Okay. It's not used for evaluation of the abnormal uterine bleeding. In addition, the undiagnosed abnormal uterine bleeding is relatively contraindicated for the histosalpingography because the procedures could spread the cancer endometrial cells into the abdomen. Okay. A progesterone withdrawal test is used for evaluation of the secondary amenorrhea's no menses for more than equal to six months with previous irregular menses. To determine the amenorrhea is from low estrogen levels. If it is from low estrogen level, then there will be no bleeding for after the progesterone exposures. This patient has continued bleeding on the oral contraceptive pills, suggesting high estrogen level. Therefore, the testing is not indicated. Yeah, so we don't do uh, this progesterone withdrawal testing. All right. Now let's talk about the next questions, which is the uh yeah sexual assault only the sexual assault evaluation physical and forensic examination hair and semen and then the psychosocial assessment consequences mental health disorders post-traumatic stress disorder unintended pregnancies and sexually transmitted infections management with the help of post-exposure prophylaxis emergency contraceptions and psychosocial counseling so this patient is likely a victim of the date rape the rep uh, the rape is a sexual assault involving unwanted vaginal or oral or anal penetrations through force or lack of the consent most cases occurs between acute and up to half of 
uh, involves the intoxication with alcohol or use of day trip that is the flunitrazepine zipam okay i am sorry because i'm reading it so badly but it is flunitazepam okay which is also known as rofalon rofanol that causes loss of consciousness and amnesia as in this patients amongst the adolescent and young adults there are multiple culture myths about date rapes including that uh, it is not real rape and that's by agree to go home with a man and women is agreeing to sex because these myths date rape victims are more likely to feel partially responsible for their assault okay because of this which can lead to long term psychosocial complications okay psychological complications ranging from decreased appetite sleep disturbances to post traumatic stress disorder and even suicidality therefore management includes both medical care post exposure prophylaxis emergency contraception and psychosocial counseling which is uh, which should take place as uh, soon as assault as possible okay the patient should be assured that they were not responsible and to be provided multiple forms to support that is uh, support group referrals and individual therapy date rape preventions may be discussed at the annual well women visit but this advice is insensitive immediately after the assault of place blame on patients although the mandatory reporting occurs for child and elderly abuse sexual assault of the adult does not uh, is is not uh, most jurisdiction okay in addition notification of the police against the patient's wishes is inappropriate urine toxicologic testing can identify the date rape drug the testing must be performed as soon as after this assault due to short half life because this patient assault was a week ago testing is unlikely to be effective antidepressant medications may be indicated in the patients who develop depression as having post traumatic stress disorders but however the this patient has not received any psychosocial things so first we have to ask her to get that next is the treatment of the leomyoma basically the patient was having spontaneous abortion and the reason behind was the leomyoma so let's see how it's treated so this patient has had three consecutive pregnancy loss spontaneous abortion consistent with recurrent pregnancy loss initial workup for these patients includes the pelvic ultrasonography keratotyping and thrombophilia testing because anatomic genetic and thrombophilic thrombotic disorders are most common cause of recurrent pregnancy loss that is spontaneous abortion this patient recurrent pregnancy loss is likely due to some mucosal fibroid or benign smooth muscles myometrial tumors that can cause the abnormal intrauterine abnormality anatomy that uh, by extending into the cavity and impinging and disrupting the endometrium this compresses the embryonal implantations or growth likely to decrease the endometrial thickening okay and reduce the vascularity of the fibroid related to the myometrium therefore the most patients are treatment recurrent with the recurrent pregnancy loss due to this mucosal fibroid are treatment treated with hysteroscopic uh, myomectomy even if the fibroid is not causing any heavy menses this procedures restores normal uterine anatomy thereby reducing the risk of future pregnancy loss clomiphene is a selective serotonin reuptake in modulators okay receptor modulators ssrm serm sorry and that treats the ovulatory infertility by increasing the fsh levels promoting the ovulation follicular development okay clomiphene treatment is not indicated for recurrent pregnancy loss and has anti-estrogenic effects on the endometrium which can cause the endometrial decrease endometrial thickness okay well low molecular weight heparin and recurrent pregnancy loss due to inherited thrombophilias it does not improve live birth rate in women with negative thrombophilia workup uterine assay 
artery embolizations decreases uterine blood flow to the, uh, decreases blood flow to the uterus thereby reducing the fibroid size it is not recommended for the patient's desired future fertility because the resultant decreased uterine perfusions increase the risk of obstetric complications okay example fetal growth restriction and all that and decrease life birth rate vaginal progesterone is used in the patients with incidental shortening of the cervix less than 25 mm if cervix is so short then we can give them vaginal progesterone on ultrasonography to decrease the risk of the preterm delivery it does not reduce the risk of recurrent pregnancy loss now let's talk about the anaposed estrogen exposures so peripheral estrogen conversion we know that adrenal gland and the ovary estrogen that is endosterone is converted into estrogen with the help of aromatase in the adipose tissue and which is converted to estradiol so the patient with atypical glandular cells on the pep smears which uh, could be abnormality of either endocervical canal or the endometrium okay therefore the patients women age more than 35 with this pep smear result require evaluation with colposcopy endocervical curettage and endometrial biopsy yes we have to do colposcopy endometrial cervical curettage and endometrial biopsy this patient's endometrial biopsy shows atypical endometrial hyperplasia a precursor of the endometrial cancers most cases of the endometrial cancers are due to prolonged unexposure estrogen exposure okay and uh, from the obesity and chronic anovulatory cycles such as pcos as seen in this patients estrogen causes proliferation of the endometrium to allow the implantations associated with the pregnancy and progesterone decreases the endometrial proliferations by down regulating the estrogen receptors and regulating mitosis therefore in patients with anaposed estrogen exposures continued endometrial proliferations is based on ovulatory status and resultant resultant effects on progesterone okay ovulatory patients have increased progesterone which decreases the endometrial proliferation thereby protecting the endometrium from hyperplasia in contrast ovulatory patient do not have increased progesterone therefore unregulated endometrial proliferations result in hyperplasia in the patients with obesity this process is compounded by disproportionately increase in estrogen levels by peripheral conversions of androgen to estrogen other risk factors Uh, for endometrial hyperplasia and cancers include nulliparity early menarche late menopause and tamoxifen therapy all of which increases uterine estrogen exposure chronic inf- infections with high risk of the human papilloma virus type 16 and 18 is a risk factors for the cervical adenocarcinoma which may present with atypical glandular cells on the pap smear testing okay this diagnosis is unlikely because this patient's colposcopy and endometrial curettage are benign so it's not causing the hpv infections women exposed to the diethyl silvesterol causes increases of clear cell carcinoma of cervix and vagina okay yeah next is uterine sarcoma which can cause the abnormal uterine bleeding however the endometrial biopsy would typically show the malignant stromal tissues rather than the endometrial hyperplasia additionally the uterine sarcoma is not associated with malignant transformations from benign leiomyoma so we don't have to think about that also gestational trophoblastic disease can present with persistent abnormal uterine bleeding and infertility after spontaneous abortion However, this diagnosis is unlikely in the patient with negative pregnancy test because in gestational trophoblastic disease HCG is increased. In addition, endometrial biopsy should be uh, should show proliferation of the trophoblastic tissue rather than the endometrial hyperplasia. Okay. Now let's talk about the endometrial polyps. So yeah, uh, this premenopausal women or patient with regular monthly menses and intermenstrual bleeding most likely has the endometrial polyp. Endometrial polyps are common. well vascularized hyperplastic endometrial glands growth extending into the uterine cavity endometrial polyps typically develops in women of 30s and 40s most endometrial polyps are benign asymptomatic but they can cause the abnormal uterine bleeding in some patients due to their friability and vascularity 
because endometrial polyps do not affect the ovulations patients typically have regular monthly menses with painless in light endometrial bleeding endometrial polyp typically remains intercavitary therefore these patients typically have small nodular uterus with the no vesicle or no vesicle visible on cervix and vaginal lesions okay treatment includes symptomatic endometrial polyp then we have to do a hysterectomy hysteroscopic polypectomy no 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 we have to do hysteroscopic polypectomy not the hysterectomy we know about adenomyosis heavy menstrual pain uh, heavy menses is there painful menses is there more than 40 years okay but um, patient have regular ovulatory with no intramenstrual bleeding in the adenomyosis in addition this patient with adenomyosis have a boggy uniformly enlarged uterus Endometrial hyperplasia typically present with irregular anovulatory menses in patients with risk factors of excess estrogen exposure, obesity, and tamoxifen use. Normal VMI and normal regular menses make this diagnosis less likely. Invasive cervical cancers can cause the regular irregular spotting and heavy vaginal bleeding due to cervical friability from the mass and the patient has no vaginal or the cervical lesions so making the cervical cancer diagnosis less likely. Okay. Yeah. You. Uh, okay. This patients with regular monthly menses and uh, with uh, molymena that is cramping. Molymena is simply normal cramping and normal FSH level making perimenopausal perimenopause an unlikely cause of the abnormal uterine bleeding. We know about leomyoma also. Long prolonged menses is there regularly and large bulky uterus would be there with leomyoma. With only polyp we see that uterus is of normal size. Okay. Now let's talk about the thing which is the urethral diverticulum this is urethral diverticulum definition urethral mucosa herniate into the surrounding tissue so basically the urethral mucosa is herniating into the surrounding tissue clinical features are dysuria postvoidal dibbling and dyspernia okay dyspernia can be there because of urethral diverticulum and anterior vaginal wall mass so in front of vagina there is urethra so if any anterior vaginal wall mass is there it can be urethral diverticulum if posterior vaginal wall mass was there one then Nafos Bartholin cyst. <clears throat> Diagnostic test, urine analysis, urine culture, MRI of the pelvis, transvaginal ultrasonography. So this patient has a urethral diverticulum and abnormal localized urethral mucosa due to recurrent uh, periurethral gland infections along with the anterior vaginal wall. Okay. Recurrent infections and inflammations of the urethral tissue leads to abnormal outpouching that can cause collection and storage of the urine, resulting in post-void dribbling and uh, Recurrent urinary tract infection, dysuria, the infections of the urethral diverticulum can result in tenderness. Okay, so yeah, basically there was a picture in which the urethra was there and we see a diverticulum which is seen on the anterior wall. Okay, which is tender and often present with dyspnea and tenderness on the anterior wall uh, with an associated ex expressed purulent bloody urethral discharge. Okay. Diagnosis is confirmed with the help of pelvic MRI and treatment is surgical incision of the diverticulum. Vesicovaginal fistula, we know how it uh, the features of this are there. Acute infections of the lower urinary tract infections, cystitis, urethritis, and dysuria causes urinary incontinence. However, the patients have urgency frequency but no tender anterior vaginal wall was. Stress urinary incontinence causes hypermobility of the urethra and bladder neck, which can, which is seen in multiparous obese women. Okay. Uh, such as this one the patient has urinary leakage and increased intra-abdominal pressure with valsalva which is not seen in this case okay yeah next is overflow incontinence which is due to impaired bladder retrocer contractility and can occur in postmenopausal women 
and patients typically have constant doubling of the urine with incomplete bladder emptying and chronic urinary retentions overflow this diagnosis is unlikely because the patient has normal post void residual volume okay last question is about the granulosa cell tumor so pathogenesis six cord stromal tumor it's a type of six cord stromal tumor in which the extra diol is increased and also inhibin is increased clinical features complex ovarian mass will be there juvenile type and adult type is there in juvenile type we see precocious puberty in adult type we see breast tenderness abnormal uterine bleeding and postmenopausal bleeding so if there is abnormal uterine bleeding postmenopausal bleeding and breast tenderness we have to think about the granulosa cell tumors because of excess estrogenic effects and if it is precocious puberty then we have to think about again granulosa cell tumor in juvenile subtype histopathology we see collex nerve body which is cells in rosette patterns and management includes endometrial biopsy for endometrial cancers and surgery uh, tumor staging okay so this patient's bilateral breast tenderness and fibrocystic changes due to increased breast tissue proliferations are suggestive of estrogen exposures the additional symptoms of the increase in abdominal girth early satiety and complex ovarian mass are concerning for the ovarian malignancies specifically a granulosa cell tumor a type of the ovarian sex cord stromal tumor granulosa cell tumors are primary component of the ovarian stroma and functions in converting the testosterone to the estradiols and via aromatase they secretes both estradiols via aromatization of the testosterone and inhibin which suppresses the pituitary fsh release via negative feedback Malignant proliferation of the granulosa cells can cause the high estradiol levels uh, that uh, affects the breast, that is tenderness and endometrium unopposed proliferation. Therefore, the patients have concomitant endometrial hyperplasia and cancers that present in postmenopausal women as enlarged uterus with abnormal uterine bleeding and thickened endometrial stripe that is more than four millimeters on the ultrasonography. Patients are managed surgically and require monitoring of further disease progressions and recurrence with serum inhibin levels. Okay, so monitoring is done with the help of serum inhibin level. Alpha-fetoprotein is secreted by the yolk sac tumor and uh, an aggressive germ cell tumors because these tumors rapidly grows and uh, present with abdominal pain. There is no associated breast tenderness with alpha-fetoprotein tumor that is germ cell tumor. Okay, yeah, yolk sac tumor. Next is elevated HCG seen in abdominal carcinoma, ovarian germ cell tumors, a gestational trophoblastic disease, high deformed moles. The patient with abdominal carcinomas has rapid onset of the pelvic pain. Those with high deformed moles have uterine enlargement, bilateral ovarian mass, theca lutein cyst, hyperemesis uh, gravidarum, hypothyroidism symptoms, and breast tenderness that occurs with elevated HCG during early pregnancy and is due to elevated estrogen levels. Lactate dehydrogenase is uh, secreted by desterminomas and uh, malignant germ cells tumors that typically presents as rapidly enlarging painful masses. There is no associated breast tenderness or thickened endometrium. Certainly, ledic cell tumors such as sex-called tumors of the ovary secreting the testosterone. Therefore, they have the viralizations, acne and clitoromegaly, hypoestrogenic features such as breast atrophy and thin endometrium will be there with the certainly ledic cell tumor. Mature teratomas are benign ovarian tumors that occasionally secretes the thyroxins and uh, stroma ovarae. Most patients will have are asymptomatic however the patient symptomatic patients can have weight loss and despite of an increased appetite due to increased metabolic rate associated with elevated thyroxine levels all right so we see that there is increased metabolic rate bmi is increased and all bmr is increased so all these are the feature of ovarian tumors thank you so much for listening